On this episode of the Trade Busters podcast, we're going to be talking about the idea of buying power as it relates to risk and specifically that less buying power does not equal less risk. Before we go on, just a quick disclaimer, I'm not a financial advisor and everything on this podcast is for informational purposes only and not to be construed as investment advice. Now, this episode was one that I had already planned on doing be even before I released the episode about doing the 45 plus DTE with small accounts using micro ES futures. So this episode is not directly in response to that one, but it is very timely and very related because, you know, what I realized was just, um, you know, depending on a broker, the amount of uh, margin relief or the, the reduced amount of buying power requirement for MES on certain brokers really is like, you know, putting a nuclear weapon in the hand of somebody that really might not know what they have, right? So I want to really try and set out um, some information on buying power and how that relates to the amount of leverage so that you have an idea of what exactly you're trading and the amount of risk you're taking on. Now, if you haven't already, you need to go back and listen to episode 18, which I talked about options margin versus stock margin. Okay, because that is honestly, it seems like still a very confusing topic, even for experienced traders, because some people frankly might just not think about this a whole lot. But when you're starting to, you know, trade multiple contracts with overlapping positions, especially on something so leveraged, you really have to have an idea of the notional risk that you're taking on, um, especially when you're trading naked. So I'm going to give a few examples of uh, different products and contract sizes. And just as a baseline, okay, we're going to compare the amount of risk for each one. Okay, so the first one is one contract. Now for these, just, just assume I'm talking about a, a naked put option um, for simplicity's sake. So one contract of SPX at 4,000 strike, all right? The second example is two contracts of ES futures options, again, at 4,000 strike. The third um, example is 10 contracts of SPY, SPY, 10 contracts at 400 strike, all right? And the last one is 20 contracts of MES, micro ES, also at 4,000 strike, right? Now, just um, kind of word of advice, as you're listening through, you may want to write these down so you can kind of follow along in your head um, with the examples. So again, the four examples, one contract SPX at 4,000, two contracts of ES at 4,000, 10 contracts of SPY at 400, and 20 contracts MES at 4,000, all right? Which one of these has the most risk? Which one is the larger trade? So the answer is, they're all the same, right? I've set up these examples on purpose to illustrate the idea of notional risk, right? Before we talk about buying power. So remember, notional risk, in this case, I, I set up a, a simple straightforward example. You just take the, uh, the strike price, okay? That's the face value multiplied by the multiplier. Now, it's a little confusing because different products have different multipliers. That's part of the reason um, people don't understand sometimes, right? So SPX has a, a hundred multipliers. So I take 4,000 and multiply by a hundred, you're gonna get 4,000 or 400,000, 
So basically, one contract of naked SPX put at 4,000 has a notional value of $400,000. ES, which is also quoted in kind of the uh, the 4,000 or the thousands um, number for the strike, that is one contract of ES is half the size of SPX, so it has a multiplier of 50, right? And that's why I did two contracts. So you take the 4,000 and you multiply it by 50, you're going to get 200,000. If you do two contracts, that's 400,000, right? So we're arriving at the same 400,000 number. With SPY, which is at 400, this has a multiplier of 100, and that's why I did 10 contracts, right? 400 divide, uh, times 100 is 40,000 times 10, 400,000, right? So we still have the 400,000 notional. And MES, this is also quoted in the thousands, like SPX and ES, but it has a multiplier of 5. So we take the 4,000 and multiply by 5, which is 20,000, multiply by 20, you get 400,000. So MES is the smallest product. It's about one contract has happened notional of a SPY option. And that's why you need to do 20 contracts to equal that same 400,000. Okay, so that's the baseline. All four of these have 400,000 notional. Now that's already kind of confusing, right? But let's look at the buying power now, okay? So SPX and SPY, um, if you trade them on portfolio margin, depending on the DTE and how far out of the money you go, it's going to vary the amount of buying power um, requirement. But for this example, I'm going to just assume it's a flat 10%, okay? So one contract of SPX, 400,000 notional, at 10% buying power reduction is going to require 40,000 of buying power, right? So 40,000 is one-tenth of 400,000. We call that a 10% BPR. With SPY, same thing, right? If we have 10 contract of SPY, 400 strike is 400,000 notional. 10% of that is 40,000, right? So 40,000 buying power. It's exact same as SPX. The reason that gets tricky is because SPY is a smaller product, right? You don't usually trade 10 contracts of SPY. You trade one contract. So rather than 40,000, one contract of SPY is 4,000 buying power. But again, that's 10% because one contract of SPY at 400 strike is 40,000 notional because it's one-tenth of SPX. And so one contract has 4,000 buying power. But that has, in fact, the same buying power as SPX. Now, at this point, it should be pretty self-evident that, yes, one contract of SPY takes less buying power, but that's because it's a smaller product, right? It's one-tenth the size of SPX. So you shouldn't fool yourself that trading one contract of SPY is... Um, for some reason safer than one contract, or sorry, you shouldn't think that one contract of SPX is comparable to one contract of SPY, right? Because they're clearly just different size products. Now with futures options and micro futures, these get a little more extreme because the buying power reduction is extremely low. And to that end, you should realize they're just more leveraged. But for some reason, when the buying power gets so low, some people just think it means less risk. I, I don't know why that's sort of the um, uh, assumption, but uh, for some reason that just is, okay? But but let's look at ES for a second. So remember, two contracts of ES at 4,000. We said it's 400,000 um, notional. That was the example in the beginning. But it's only going to take 20,000 buying power, right? Not 40,000. So this is a 5% BPR. It's extremely low because 20,000 is 5% of 400,000. Okay. 
But again, because ES is a smaller product, you can trade one contract, which is 10,000 buying power, right? So one contract of ES at 4,000 strike has 200,000 notional, but a $10,000 buying power requirement. So if you do 10,000 um, divided by 200,000, again, you should find that that's basically 5%, right? Very low. They're only holding 5% of notional as in, in margin or buying power requirement. And if we go to MES, this is where it gets a little extreme. Again, and again, this is confusing because depending on your broker, you might not see this, okay? So 20 contracts of MES, which is the 400,000 notion, that's our baseline. From what I've heard from you know some people on, in the Facebook group, uh, and I think this is with uh, TOS, um, I don't think it's with IB, but apparently, you know, this is gonna require as low as $8,000 of buying power, okay? For 20 contracts, 400,000 notional with 8,000 buying power requirement, that is 2%. And then if we split that down and only look at one contract of MES, that is 400 buying power, which seems very little. But remember, one contract of MES at 4,000 strike. Um, let me just go ahead and it's a five multiplier, okay? That's still 20,000 notional, right? So $400 of buying power on 20,000 notional, that's 2%. Now, this seems great, right? Because you can basically trade this with a small account but really leverage is a double-edged sword okay you have to understand how much risk you're actually taking and you know we've gone through all these examples with the notional risk on the different contracts and then looking at the buying power and the different products the different multipliers and i know that gets a little confusing but one quick way to sort of gauge the amount of leverage you have on the capital you're using is take the buying power requirement and one over that, okay, one over the BPR is the leverage on the capital. So I'll, I'll do a quick example. So let's go back to the um, SPX, right? So one contract SPX, 400,000 notional, you have $40,000 of buying power requirement, which we said was 10% in this case. So if you do one over 10% or one over 0.1, you get 10, meaning that capital is 10X, 10X leverage or 1000% leverage, right? Because if I only, and then let's just kind of run that to the to the full size. If, if I only needed 10% of the buying power, then if I use all my buying power, I'd be 10x leveraged on, on my account, right? There, and you never use all your buying power, right? But we just kind of use that so you can gauge and I can show you that that math actually plays out. Because if I had, you know, $40,000 of buying power and I used, you know, all of it, right? Then I would basically be having the notional exposure of, of 10 times that amount. Um, now, here's the scary thing. Let's look at that opposite example, right? Let's look at MES, 2% buying power, right? If you take one and divide it by 0 0.02 or one over 2%, that's 50, right? 50X leveraged on that capital. So if you use your full 100% buying power on MES, you'd be at, f this is like 5,000%, 5, 
leverage. So obviously something you don't want to do. Okay. But then if we take that information, like how do we use that? How much buying power should we use? Okay. So sort of to, to gauge this, if you take um, what I just said, one over BPR to give you the leverage and you multiply that by the amount of allocation yet you're using on your buying power that will give you your notional leverage on the entire account okay so let's do that that quick example again let's say you're using portfolio margin with spx so one over 10 percent okay so one over 0.1 that's 10 1000 leverage but if i'm only using half my account or 50 percent take the 10 multiply by 0.5 you get 5x or 500%, right? So on portfolio margin, if you see half your capital, you're going to be at 500% or 5x leveraged on your account. How much do you need on MES to get that same 5x? It's a lot less. So let, let's kind of run through this again. So remember, 1 divided by 0.02. This is the 1 divided by the 2% BPR. You get 50, which is 50x leverage. And let's just say I only use 10% of my capital, right? Take the 50, multiply by 0.1, you get a five, that same five or five X. So again, to put these side by side, 50% of your capital on portfolio margin is five X leverage. 10% of your capital using MES is also five X leverage. So those two examples have the same risk, but one of them uses much less capital. So again, um, for whatever reason, if you think that using less capital means less risk, just know that is not necessarily the case, right? You really need to first understand the product that you're trading. What is the buying power requirement that reduced BPR with respect to notional and the rule of thumb is, you know, portfolio margin, you get, you know, nine or 10% reduction, uh, BPR futures. ES looks like about 5% and MES about 2%. And again, that depends on the broker, you know, 2% is really extreme. And honestly, I don't think it's that meaningful because you sh like we just showed with the example, you don't really want to use that much anyways, otherwise you're going to over leverage your account. Um, so, Really, 2% is kind of unnecessary. Um, and I've heard that with interactive brokers, for example, MES is kind of at the same range as regular ES, which is kind of that 5%, 6% range. Um, but just, I really want to put that out there so that if you are planning to do MES to trade, like, for example, the 45 plus DTE, you really don't want to stretch your account that far. You know, and I mentioned in the previous episode, just off the top of my head, if you use 40%, that kind of leaves some room for the margin expansion and that leaves room for the book size to grow. And at least you won't get to, you know, 100% and get a margin call. But at the same time, let's use that example and see how leveraged you actually would be if you use 40% of your capital, right? So let's say you have one of those brokers that only holds 2% BPR, right? Which is the, you know, about $400 roughly per, per contract of MES. So one over 0 0.02, 50, which is 50X, and you multiply by 0.4, which is 40% of your capital, you get 20, right? So 40% of your capital 
allocated an MES strategy, that's leveraging your account notionally 20x or 2000%. So I don't know about you, but that seems pretty high. Like, you know, until you, sometimes until you trade it and you take a loss or things go against you, you don't really get the gravity of the situation or you don't understand what exactly, you know, that means what, what is 10x, what is 20x, like what exactly do I stand to lose, right? It's, it's hard to get a grasp of that. But just know, you know, leverage, again, it's a tool. You can use it um, to amplify returns. You can use it to, in this case, we're trying to have a way to extract small consistent gains um, while using these kind of low delta strategies. But it has its limits and you have to use your own judgment and kind of use it within reason. Um, I think when you're just starting out, honestly, two, three, four, five X notional leverage is about as high as you want to go. Um, and you still have to really honor the stops, right? Cause if you don't honor the, regardless of the leverage, if you don't honor the stops and things move against you, the buying power explodes, the Delta explodes, the losses balloon, you're just going to blow up your account. Right? So you, regardless, you always, always have to respect the stops. But I think in the beginning you, if possible, and, and I know with smaller accounts, there's just kind of limitations on how much you can allocate because you can only go so small. And this is why we said like 15,000 at a bare minimum to run this on MES and really more like 2530 to, so that you don't have to allocate that much of your capital because, you know, again, I think you should try to stick around five X or less, um, you know, 40% allocated is, is 20 X. You know, if you want to paper trade it to see how it goes, um, and get a feel for it maybe, but honestly that even that probably is too high. Um, just from a notional standpoint. Um, okay. So I know we kind of went over a lot of numbers in that one. Um, but you might want to just kind of sit down, write these with a pen and paper, just go through the numbers and, and check that that makes sense. And of course, reach out if you have any questions. Um, but again, I want to put out, put that out there just so people realize you know what they're dealing with because leverage really for me is the key to having these kind of consistent returns but again it's something that you need to use sparingly and you always have to understand what exactly you're getting into okay so let's leave it there for today um, as always if you enjoyed this episode please take a moment to rate review and subscribe to the podcast it's available on most of the major platforms apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and spotify you can also find more of my content at my trading page at www.thetradebusters.com where you can find all of my strategy mechanics, trade logs, as well as essays I've written and other podcasts that I recommend. Finally, you can also follow me on Twitter at TheTradeBuster. That's it for today. Thank you all for listening and I'll see you guys next time.